You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. Welcome to B2B Nation. In this episode, we're going to talk about brands. It takes a lot of time and energy for most marketing organizations to build a brand. It's more than a logo or a tagline. A good brand is a feeling. It's an emotion. It helps marketers generate the moments and connections with customers and prospects that are so important to marketing today. And then along comes a year like 2020. How many times have we heard that? That brand you fiercely protect suddenly finds itself having to discuss issues of racial injustice in a global pandemic. Your company culture, which you've shared with the world, is suddenly no longer centered around offices, but rather people who are dispersed all around the world. Today, social media is the place where many brands turn to make connections and have conversations. And for B2B marketers, social media can serve a similar purpose. It's a place to build connections, seek advice, and learn from others. But it works best when you work with it to become part of the conversation. I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. In this episode, we're going to discuss building your personal and corporate brand through social media. And we're going to do it with Chantelle Marcel, a marketing consultant with a background in branding and communications who's been doing this for a decade. Let's have a listen. Chantelle Marcel, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you go ahead and take a minute and tell us about who you are and what you do. Sure. So um, I've been in marketing for uh, about a decade now. I started my career in journalism uh, and public relations, and I made the shift kind of organically over time. And I've just really loved being in marketing. There's so much opportunity, so much versatility. I find that most days I'm not doing the same thing that I was doing yesterday. So um, my personality is so well suited for that. Just you know, a variety of different uh, tools and, and tricks that I get to play around with. I too started out in journalism and found my way to marketing. So we have one thing in common right off the bat. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of us. There are a lot of us. And I think that that maybe says more about the state of journalism than the state of marketing. Oh, <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> See, you have done a very good job with your personal brand on social media. You've got a lot of followers on LinkedIn. You've got a very active uh, bunch of followers who, you know, engage with what you have to say and participate in conversations. So, so let's start there. Like what do B2B marketers and anybody really who's a professional, what do they get wrong about their personal social media presence? Do you have any tips for lurkers? So something that B2B marketers and really everyone in general gets wrong about personal social media use is that it's only something that you want to pay attention to and invest in when you're looking for a job. Um, And by the time that, you know, you actually start looking, it's a bit too late to try to rev things up Um, by keeping things going and by um, investing time and and resources into content creation over time. uh, You'll be receiving opportunities pretty consistently. You'll also be in a better place to represent whatever brand you're currently working with, just because you'll already be actively part of conversations. You'll have an engaged audience. You'll have tested out different 
uh, methods of delivering content and um, you know using per, uh, your personal social media to figure out what works and then you can translate that pretty successfully into what you do for your company so um, I would say if there are lurkers you definitely want to just jump right in and just start testing things out there really isn't a tried-and-true formula for success um, I found that just by being consistent and showing up every day and trying to deliver high quality content rather than, you know, engaging in any sort of gimmicks to try to game the systems, game the algorithms and go viral or whatever. Um, I've been able to have uh, a steady uh, growth, not only in my presence, but in my followers and the number of uh, likes and comments that I get. So it's just been a really fun um a fun experiment this year. I feel like some people have told me they don't know what to say on social media. I don't think anybody wants to hear what they have to say. I also feel like for certain people, I think especially in this, if you're closer to sales, there seems to be almost a risk aversion to posting on social media. What if I say something that someone disagrees with or that one of my clients disagrees with? Are they ever going to do business with me again? Are some people, is there just a fear of of being heard, right? It's like, it's like being in a crowd and putting your hand up and, and being the first one to speak in a way. You know, lately there's been so much conversation about imposter syndrome and just feeling like, um, am I an expert? What is an expert? What um, gives me the authority to, to speak out and, and share my thoughts? Um, to that, I would say, if you look around and see the other people who are actively engaging on these platforms, I wouldn't say that any one of them has, you know, more of a right to be sharing their professional experience and their um, opinions than anybody else, um, which is kind of what's great about social media. It's leveled the playing field. Everyone has a voice. Um, anybody can have a viral moment or a more successful moment. There's just a lot of room for conversation and the more people who engage, the more rich that the conversation is because you're seeing more diversity of thought. You're seeing, you know, people who are at all different stages of their career who have all sorts of backgrounds and experiences sharing what they've learned and what they've seen over the years. And that really allows each person to benefit from the collective intelligence that's being shared. So it's kind of a cool community uh, uh, interaction that, that takes place when everybody is sharing their thoughts. And um, I personally love when people disagree with me because then it helps me to not only sharpen my, sharpen my argument or my defense for what I'm saying and my thoughts, but also helps me to be open-minded and to um, adapt those thoughts to other information that's presented that I may not have had access to before. But as marketers, you're always going to have to defend what you're doing and what you're saying and your ideas when you talk to people in other departments. So it's a great way to figure out what you would say to different um, rebuttals to your thoughts or your suggestions by having those debates online. And I think a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, the complaint about LinkedIn is that top 1% of posters get all of the attention, get all of the engagement. Um, and it, that's a complaint that I've heard a lot over the years. But 
if you're not trying, if you're not, <laughs> if you're not making yourself part of the conversation, it's going to go to the people who, who do it consistently. Right. Yeah. And I think with LinkedIn or with any platform really, um, cause I hear that complaint a lot about Instagram, um, because Instagram's a much tougher, um, platform to figure out. You have to have a lot of visual content and with the way that they've changed the algorithm, um, there's not a ton of organic reach anymore. Um, I've had, I've had some trouble with getting, um, traction on Instagram. So I've kind of tabled it for now just because the, the amount of work that you have to put into content creation for Instagram is so high versus, you know, text-based content performs so well on LinkedIn. You do have to have a certain approach though. I mean, I see a lot of people who are very self-promotional on LinkedIn who come in and they just want to post a link to a blog post or whatever, and then, you know, write up a sentence or two, and then they think that that's quality. But the way that the LinkedIn community is consuming content is not um, compatible with that approach. Uh, I would say that I've seen my most successful content uh, coming from when I get really personal or when I really think about my own experience and something unique that I would have to share that someone else might not be able to talk to. Um, so when I've just gotten really personal and not, you know, tried to, you know, post something very generic or whatever, I've gotten a lot more engagement. Although I will say <laughs> there is a problem on LinkedIn with certain types of content, inspirational quotes or those fake stories about, you know, I hired so-and-so and they were the best hire I ever made. Those kind of... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do tend to, to <laughs> I don't know why, they get a ton of likes. Yeah. So. I see a lot of Steve Jobs on LinkedIn. Oh man, um, I think I fell into that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty of doing that at least once. So let's talk, let's go from personal social media branding to corporate social media branding. You had a conversation on LinkedIn that caught my eye about authenticity. In the year 2020, a lot of people have talked about authenticity because of everything that buyers and consumers and brands have been through that there's a desire for people to see authenticity. What do you see the best B2B brands doing on social media? And conversely, what are the things that you see B2B brands doing that make you want to take your phone and throw it across the room? Yeah, so probably it's so much easier to point out bad content than good content just because there's so much more, not necessarily bad content, but just boring, like very the same. Like there's like a formulaic approach that people think they should be taking that may have worked years ago, but I think now... We've moved beyond that to where people need to really be much more creative and innovative in their approach. Um, the lines can definitely be blurred between B2B and B2C. There's a lot of fun things you can do that will catch people's attention and that won't necessarily be seen as super controversial. Um, I think that something very important that B2B brands need to be doing is social monitoring and listening much better. You know, I tweeted who was it? I tweeted Archie Comics this weekend and I tweeted New York Comic Con um, because it's coming up uh, and they responded like within minutes and it was the weekend, it was late at night. Um, 
and they were just on it. Like their social media strategy is just to be so highly engaged. They listen for mentions. They, they listen for opportunities that feel natural for their brand to like step in and join a conversation, even if they aren't mentioned. Um, one brand that I was so impressed by, uh, public.com. It's a, um, it's a website that tries to make investing more social. So it's kind of like a social media plus investing platform. And I had mentioned them randomly on Twitter the other day and they popped in and they were, they were chatting with me. They followed me. I got an email from their community manager shortly after that. And she was like, Hey, you know, I'd love to send you some of our swag didn't try to sell me, didn't try to push anything. She sent me this awesome hat that I love so much. I wear it all the time. Um, yeah. And she just, it was just such a, a fun moment for me. I felt so special. I felt, you know, like a cool influencer, even though I, I don't have that many followers on Twitter. So it was just so well done to make someone feel that special, like a one-to-one -one connection rather than a brand just talking out to an audience and not bothering to look for those moments to really connect on a, a deeper level. You mentioned a, you mentioned the community manager in that anecdote. Uh, that brings to mind something else that you were talking about on social media recently was this idea that interns run the social media at every company, but that's not true. That it's there's a strategy, there's an investment, but right. um, it's become an essential part of a of a corporate marketing team. Right and. I don't even know if I was that aware of how um, much investment brands are making into their social media teams at this point. I remember years ago when all of these platforms were much more new. Yeah, people were passing off the reins to young people because they were the ones who were using it. Like when Facebook first came out, it was only open to college students. So they had so much more of a lead on everybody else as far as using it and engaging with it that, yeah, maybe they were the experts on how to use Facebook at that point. Um, but Facebook has grown up and all the social media platforms are a bit more advanced now. Uh, there's so much opportunity for brands to really have an impact using social media, uh, not just generating awareness, but also generating opportunities that could lead to revenue. So it just doesn't make sense to have someone who doesn't have uh, familiarity with your brand and your voice and your tone and your strategy take over and try to run things and just post a bunch of memes or a bunch of whatever um, because that's not that's not what works it's not the memes or the the using cool lingo or whatever or just posting a bunch of hashtags that's not really going to move the needle so you're just going to be justifying your lack of investment when you don't see the results because you're not investing. It's a vicious cycle. Let's let's talk about longer form content for a minute because you've also helped B2B firms create content papers and other content assets, uh, which is an area where I spend a lot of my time. The biggest challenge I think I see these days with B2B brands is standing out in what has become a very, very noisy content market everyone is publishing 
countless assets every quarter, every month. What's your advice for standing out? I think I think the thing that I end up telling people is, you know, sometimes you got to be a little bit risky, maybe challenge conventional thinking. There are people who are into that and then they talk to their clients and the original idea gets watered down a bit maybe and, and everybody wants to play it safe. So if everybody's trying to play it safe, how do you get heard? How do you get attention? That is one of the challenges of being a marketer, having to market your own ideas and get executive buy-in or board buy-in to trying something new or following cultural shifts. You know, I think back to the an example that I shared on LinkedIn recently about uh, a commercial, um, I don't know if you remember it, the Gorilla commercial where like, it was for Cadbury's and an ad agency came up with the concept and tried to pitch it and tried to pitch it. And the director of marketing loved it, but he couldn't get everybody else on board. Finally, he convinced them it was a gorilla playing the the drum riff in, um, in the air tonight by Phil Collins. And it was so random. I remember it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I had to look it up, but it was, um, it's such a random idea. Like, why would you think that that would be successful? And it helped increase their sales. People, it created a memorable brand moment. It was probably one of the more memorable um, moments of that year. It won top ad awards for, for the entire year. So just by taking a risk, they were able to stand out and not blend in with the rest of, you know, the very boring, typical things that you would expect to see. I would imagine that if everybody thought what's like an ad that I remember, a commercial that I remember, or a marketing moment I remember, it's going to be something that wasn't necessarily, you know, the norm, wasn't something that you normally see. I know that with being risky, this year has surprised me with how many brands were willing to, I guess, cross the line a little bit more or toe the line a bit more. Um, Nike has always been kind of a standout with that. They've always made headlines with trying something that isn't um, isn't expected, especially when it comes to social justice. I know this year I was reading a report, 76 of the world's top 100 brands posted a corporate statement about racial justice um, on Instagram after um, George Floyd was killed earlier this year. So that was that was something that became, I don't know, it was just such a an interesting moment in marketing to see all of these brands taking a stand on something that previously probably would have been seen as taboo to speak on. Um, so now that shifted the debate as far as what should brands be speaking out on? Should they be making political statements? Should they be making commentaries on culture or on social issues? Or should they just be, you know, business as usual, heads down? So that's something to consider as well. It's such a, 2020 has been such an interesting year for getting experimental, getting risky, getting bold, because I think there was a lot more content generated this year than ever before, especially virtually. And it's pretty hard to stand out with virtual content just because it's just hard to to get people's attention. And the opportunities for authenticity this year, for better or for worse, and they've sort of been for worse, but whether it's been racial justice or the pandemic, the chance to kind of get away from the corporate speak and say, this is who we are, this is what we believe. You're not going to have many more opportunities, hopefully, handed to you 
to do that than you did this year. Yeah, this year it's like you had to throw out the playbook. You had to throw out your strategy, your, you know, year, year long strategy and just kind of get flexible, get agile and figure out what you're doing moment to moment because it was like so many curveballs thrown this year. You know, I thought that second half of the year things would calm down even, but it's just been a roller coaster. So it was definitely a chance for everyone in marketing to just stretch and really accept new, embrace new challenges. So let's talk about next year, 2021. Um, We are recording this in early October 2020. If we were having this conversation in early October 2021, what do you think we would be talking about? I hope that we'll be talking about improving virtual experiences, especially when it comes to events. And I'm, I'm sure that's top of mind for a lot of marketers right now, just because virtual events aren't really going anywhere. At some point, things will reopen, we'll all be back in person, but there's just been so much success with adding that virtual element to things. And I think that this year we saw that there's a lot of room for improvement there. People don't want to just sit through another webinar or another video streaming video. So there has been some improvement in that area. I recently attended uh, HubSpot's Inbound, which was a really fun and unique take on the virtual experience. I really enjoyed that. They let you create your own personalized avatar. It was, um, the gamification was just very well done. Trying to think of another one. Uh, There's another live streaming series called Versus, Versus Online, and it's like, different musicians doing like a head-to-head showdown and it's been very successful. They've gotten an official partnership with Apple Music and um, I think they topped a million streamers, streaming viewers recently. So that's been another kind of cool take on things. So I think as B2B marketers, we've got to look at how to improve that experience. And I, I don't have the answer there. I'd like to think that it would be fun if we could take more elements from from gaming and from um, the Travis Scott concert that everyone was talking about this year that streamed on Fortnite. Or I think there was a a virtual concert by The Weeknd that was held earlier this year as well. But those got people talking. And I think as B2B marketers, we've got to learn to borrow from other sources and, and learn about what makes people find those things fun and translate that in a way that makes sense for B2B, the B2B space as well. Right. Now that goes back to the question of how do you stand out in this space and fun, fun, (laughs) fun helps you stand out no matter who you are and what you do. (laughs) One last question for you, you, because we talked about content creation. We talked about branding. We talked about virtual events. What is a tool that you use on a regular basis that you just could not live without? So my first my first thought is Google, of course, because they have a suite of tools that are just unbeatable and they're just baked in everything. So Google Trends, um, Search Console, ads, um, uh, keyword uh, planner, all of those tools are just so essential and they cover such a, a wide um, spectrum of digital marketing functions. I have my own personal site is on Yoast or is built on WordPress. So um, I like the Yoast plugin just because it helps me to be more mindful of SEO as I'm 
creating things. Um, it's a fun little guide. Um, something new that I've really liked with the rise of TikTok, video is becoming a lot more accessible. People want to edit video and do it easily and quickly. Um, I've really liked uh, a tool called Veed.io, Veed.io, I guess I think I'm saying that right. Um, but it's made creating like short snippets of video or, you know, snippets from a podcast. It, it's made it so much easier for me. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about Canva this year as well, just because that's also made graphic design super accessible for everybody. Whether you are an expert in Photoshop or not, you can definitely take advantage of, of Canva, whatever level of design you're at. Yeah, the video tools have come a long way. I, I've tried a lot of them out and there's so many out there that, you know, if you can't afford or don't have the mental bandwidth for Premiere or Final Cut or the big feature rich tools, there's a lot of stuff out there that'll just help you do what you need to do and do it quickly and inexpensively. Right. And this year or always you need video. So video content is so essential. And tell Marcel, you mentioned your website. You want to go ahead and tell people where they can learn more about what you do. Yes. Um, so people can connect with me on LinkedIn or um, my website, www.chantelmarcel.com. And then I'm also active on Twitter um, CC Mars at underscore rights. All right. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks again to Chantel Marcel for being our guest on this episode of B2B Nation. Special thanks to the technology advice team, including Amy Dunn, Sarah Wingate, and Emily Whalen, the best podcast showrunner in the business. Like our theme song? It's composed by Mnemonics in the Guild. For technology advice, I'm Mike Pastor. We'll catch you on a future episode of B2B Nation.